Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. I heard that you were feeling ill, headache, fever, and a chill. I came to help restore your pluck, because I'm the nurse who likes to... Welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. We're doing another crossover episode with our friend Brian Davis from Damn Good Movie Memories. Brian, what's going on? Hey, Stephen. Hey, Sonny. Well, thank you for having me back. It's always a good time. I almost said welcome back because, uh, yeah, man behind the curtain, we just filmed my version or our, my episode as well. So, yeah, I'm still in that host mode. So I need to get out of that. Yeah, that's right. To the listeners, we did a crossover episode last year where we did Footloose on Brian's show, Damn Good Movie Memories. And if you're not familiar with that podcast, I would encourage you to go check it out. He covers all the movies that he owns in his catalog, and he usually has (laughs) on guests to talk about it, but he fills you in with a lot of the specifics about the movie. It's a great podcast. Brian does a great job over there. So we did Footloose on his podcast, and then we did the soundtrack on the Grown Up Rock podcast. I don't remember exactly when that was. It was uh, last year sometime, so uh, I should have the episode in front of me. I don't, so just look it up. It's in the archive somewhere, but it was a great crossover episode. 
got a lot of good feedback on that one. And we're back. And Brian has just released Ferris Bueller, where Sonny and I discussed Ferris Bueller with Brian. What a great John Hughes movie that was from our 80s catalog. And we are here on the Grown Up Rock podcast to talk about iconic music and movie moments. So just to kind of give you a little bit of insight, what we're talking about here is sharing moments where the movies and the music come together and create a certain scene that anytime you hear that music going forward, whether it's on the radio or the TV, you kind of think about that particular scene in the movie. A good example of that, and it's not on any of our list because it's such a blaring example of that, would be Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World, the Queen song. Uh, I think we all agree that we, we never hear that song the same again, right? Would you agree, Sonny? Yeah, and another great example is Twist and Shout you know, in Ferris Bueller because that's not on any of our list today. Iconic means so many different things to so many people, so we'll kind of get into that. But I'm glad we picked Ferris Bueller because, uh, you know, you can send the hate mail, but uh, I think it's a better movie than Footloose. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can hate mail on that one. I think that's that's okay. That, that wouldn't be so contrarian. Well, I don't know how Brian feels, but I think I definitely agree with that. I mean, Ferris Bueller is certainly more uh, endearing to my particular youth. What about you, Brian? Oh, no doubt. that That is, uh, it might be. It's hard. With, I asked you this this question on, on my podcast. So, like, what's your favorite John Hughes movie? It's up there. It's probably in my top three. And, and regarding Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm not introduced to Queen if it wasn't for Wayne's World. So I think that's why this is such a cool episode, because I think a lot of these songs, if it's not for the movie, we don't know about either the song or the band. Yeah, I think we all agree also that the Footloose is the better soundtrack than the, oh, than the Ferris Bueller soundtrack. <laughs> definitely true. 100 percent. 100% on the soundtrack. <laughs> Record sales would also agree with that one. So like we do on all these episodes, before we get too far deep into the sticks with this one, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from the Dublin, Ireland band, The Answer. And they have just released their first new single in seven years. And it is called Blood Brothers from an upcoming album. Check out this tune.
So I don't know a ton about the answer. I will tell you, I love the gritty feel and groove of the song. And man, the rasp on that guy's vocal absolutely fits the feel of this song. So here's a situation where he's not the smoothest of singers, but I would give this album a shot just because it fits so well. Brian, what'd you think of the song? I really liked it. It kind of had a Deep Purple vibe to it, which I really dug. I actually saw them open up for ACDC on the Black Ice tour a couple times. And so I had bought their debut album. I think it was called Rise. And I really dig that album. And, and then they released a couple albums afterwards. And then I kind of lost track of them. But as, as Stephen said, they haven't released anything in seven years. So I'm glad they're back because they're a good bluesy hard rock band. Yeah, so they haven't shared a release date on their new album. It basically says coming from the band's soon-to-be-released seventh studio album. And the frontman, Cormac Neeson, I think he's got a great voice, like you guys said. I discovered the answer when, back in the early days of iTunes, they used to give you a free download every month or every week. And the answer was one of those songs, and I really liked the song. I think it's called Demon Eyes, and we've played it on the podcast before, and I think we've recently played the answer because maybe it was in the the St. Patrick's Day episode because the band, like I said, is from Dublin, Ireland, but I picked this song because, first of all, the press people just sent me this song literally (laughs) like the day before yesterday, and I knew Brian was sort of into blues, and this this has sort of a bluesy feel to it. So I thought maybe Brian might enjoy this song and I like it personally. I think it's got a kind of a tumble and shake groove to it. And uh, like you said, the the guy Cormac Neeson's uh, voice is really uh, nice and kind of gritty and very rock and roll feel to it. So uh, yeah, I'm always interested to hear what else they have to offer up, but blood brothers from the answer that is the latest. All right, so getting to our topic, so each of us decided to pick five iconic movie moments. We tried to do it in some sort of a top five. You know what, if I was to ask a listener, hey, give me your top five iconic movie moments, how in the hell would you recollect every movie you've ever seen to try to get an iconic moment? So, you know, I guess label it as top five today. It might not even be super ranked, but within the five that I shared, at least it's ranked within that five. And then, like I said, iconic means different things to different people. So as we kind of go along, especially when we share our number five, I'm going to have each of you share how you kind of came about your top five here. So let's start with uh, Brian and your number five. Yeah, I mean, my top five, I think, is more from a movie historian perspective, even though these are truly kind of my top five. I probably would have picked, I think, Queen (laughs) if it wasn't for the movie tie in. But yeah, I kind of went for a film historian vibe, which makes sense because I'm doing a a movie podcast. So my fifth pick is uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And the song is Oh Yeah from the band that nobody's ever heard of and probably still have never heard of, Yellow.
And so this song is kind of like the unofficial theme song of the film. It at first appears when Ferris decides he's going to take that prize Ferrari that belongs to Cameron's father out for the day. And of course, the film also wraps up with, uh, you know, the dean of students, Ed Rooney, who has to take the school bus home after he's been mangled by the dog. And it's also one of the first major films to have a scene kind of playing during the end credits. And it has. Oh, yeah. And both scenes are very memorable. But you can't see a sports car or Ferris's reaction without saying, oh, yeah, now. So song is beyond simple. It's incredibly catchy. Everyone knows the chorus. And the song was also used like a number of times right after that. So it was in Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. It was in uh, She's Out of Control with Tony Danza. It was in that movie K-9 with Jim Belushi. And then it was in Opportunity Knocks with Dana Carvey. I don't remember any kind of new song at the time being used so often in such a short amount of time. Uh, even my dad bought the cassette for this band and had some random stuff on there. Yeah, they're based out of Switzerland. I think this is their only hit. It's kind of like AHA where... They're kind of big internationally, but in the U.S., we just know they're one hit. But, uh, oh, yeah, it had to be on the list, you know, for me. And if you're familiar with our podcasting friends over at Cobras and Fire, you know that they use that song in their podcast literally <laughs> weekly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, and Aaron Camaro's laugh. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that, one thing we didn't mention about the Ferris Bueller that I thought was interesting, and you just sort of mentioned it now, Brian, is that. That was one of the first movies, like you said, where I remember they had a scene at the end of the credits. And then the other thing is, is that was one of the first movies I remember where they kind of broke down. What do they call it? That third wall yes. as an actor where the actor's talking to the audience, right? That's right. That's right. And it's also an after after credit scene where he's like telling everyone to go home. So it really had everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, the Ferrari scene is unforgettable. There's no doubt about that. And it's interesting. I was trying to hear the song without the, oh, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> if that, oh, yeah, is not in there, I don't think we remember this piece of music at all. I think it's the, oh, yeah, that really makes the piece of music. Well, that and the chicka cha cha. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, Stephen, how about your number five? All right. So my number five. Yeah. So if we use the word top five in the title, let's be honest, it's complete clickbait shit. That's why we call it top five, because like these guys said, it's really it's not a top five. It's more or less just five movie music moments from us because it's kind of hard to rank shit. Every time you think of one, you think of 12 others and they're all great for the most part, you know. So, yeah, this is what fell in at number five for me on my list. And, and that's the opening scene to Guardians of the Galaxy where there's a song called Come and Get Your Love, which is an older tune by Redbone. And the opening scene is fantastic with Chris Pratt just kind of strutting along and the part where he grabs the space critter or whatever it is and uses it as a microphone. That song is just so great.
I just, I really, really like a lot of that old sort of 70s, I don't know whether you want to call it yacht rock, R&B, groove type music. It's just a good tune. And I completely forgot about this tune until I saw the movie. And so for me, I just, I really love that. And as it happens, I mean, that whole entire soundtrack is just fantastic and riddled with that type of music. Uh, and I, I really like it. So that's my number five. Yeah, for me, and we've talked about it before, and, and Brian, I want to get your take on this here in a minute, but Twist and Shout with the Beatles or Back to School, Redbone doing this thing and on Guardians of the Galaxy, here is the director that is introducing me to songs that I got no really other reason to go look at if I'm a new music fan. And I'm hoping that movies continue to do that with hair metal. Because the next generation is not going to be able to hear any of the songs that I love unless the directors that are directing those movies are the same age as we are that love those songs and want to kind of bring it in. But Brian, also this movie, (laughs) this scene kind of reminded me of Risky Business in a cave, basically, right? Yeah, he's got a dancing through the muck. Obviously, he's not in his tidy whities but yeah, this whole movie is, I mean, granted, it's a Marvel movie. It's going to be, it's going to do well, but this movie sticks out because it's humor and the music no other marvel movie really did what it did you know this whole this whole movie is interesting because of the mixtape and they make it a plot point you know the new thor movies kind of have some of that the music uh, classic rock mixed in but it's not the same as guardians of the galaxy i think some people like guardians of the galaxy only because of the music so no that's a great pick steven yeah, I think I identified more with this movie because of the sort of subplot to the mixtape and the music and Chris Pratt's character. Otherwise, maybe I don't necessarily like this movie as a Marvel movie as much, but I did. And a big portion of that is the music and the soundtrack. So my number five, and I'm going to end up saying this for my number four and number five, so I'll just repeat myself later, but most likely. You have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off for Brian's pick, and most likely you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, Steven's pick. It's possible you have not seen Gross Point Blank. If you have not seen that movie, it is worth the probably hour 45 that it is, because it is an unbelievable John Cusack movie. It's one of my favorites, and I'm going to pick as my number five. There's a point where Ace of Spades by Motorhead is played. Now, if you listen to our podcast regularly, I don't even like Motorhead. (laughs) But this scene, what happens is the storyline is Kuzak is basically an assassin that's lost his taste for the business. So he decides to kind of go to this high school reunion, live his childhood, relive his childhood a little bit, connect with a girl that he's always been in love with that he kind of not even left at the altar, just kind of left and disappeared and to go be an assassin. And in this movie, Ace of Spades is playing in an employee's headphones at the Ultimart because he's the employees playing video games and there's a shootout scene where somebody's trying to kill John in the Ultimart. And then there's a point where the Ultimart blows up, but right before it blows up, Kuzak grabs the employee and uh, saves him, saves the day kind of thing. But uh, Ace of Spades and the kind of the guns going off and everything kind of, you know, all these shots being fired, it absolutely works. And it's, coinciding with the kid hitting the trigger on the video machine. So (laughs) it works so well together.
Ryan, I'm sure you've seen this movie. I've seen it. I've, I've reviewed it on my podcast. I, I'm trying to remember if you were on for it. But yeah, no, I, I definitely enjoy this movie. And I love Motorhead so much so that I recognize that this was kind of a remake version that they did with the band at the time with uh, Phil Campbell. So, yeah, it's it's a per, it's a real fun scene. And I'm, most people, casual fans, if they know Motorhead, they knew Ace of Spades. So that's why they used it. But yeah, anytime you hear Motorhead in a movie, that's good for me. It really is a fun, dark action comedy. Steven, has it been 10 years since you've seen this movie? (laughs) (laughs) 10 years, man! 10! Where have you been for 10 years? So it's kind of funny because there's a couple of movies on your list, Gross Point Blank being one of them, where I've seen the movie, but I don't remember anything about it. The only thing I remember about Gross Point Blank is that he's a hitman, right? He's an assassin. That's his occupation, his movie. So seeing that on here prompted me, I want to go back and watch this movie. But I did watch the scene that you're talking about. And one of the things that sticks out, so there's so much action going on with all the gunfire and everything. And because I guess the idea is that he's listening to Ace of Spades on his Walkman, while he's playing these video games, the music, at least in the video I watched, the music is a little, it's not as out front as it is in, in some of the other movies that we're going to talk about. So it, to me, it gets a, a little bit lost on that, but I enjoyed the scene. And this movie is a lot like the other John Cusack movie, uh, High Fidelity, which I, I hadn't seen in so long. So I recently watched that one just so I could re-familiarize myself with that movie, uh, which it's an interesting movie. I think the first time I watched it was a little bit slow and I sort of felt the same way, but I think I enjoyed it a little bit better the second time around. So I'm hoping that the same thing happens when I go back and watch Gross Point Blank. All right, Brian. Oh, God. Share your number four. Good Lord. So this is funny, and we'll get into it. So I picked Say Anything, and of course, In Your Eyes from Peter Gabriel. Now, Sonny and I actually discussed the movie Say Anything not too long ago on Damn Good Movie Memories, and he's not a fan of the song, believe it or not. Uh, But other than that point, we pretty much agreed on the film. So when it comes to romantic comedies or romance films in general, you know, just that image of John Cusack holding up the large boombox over his head. He's outside of his girlfriend's house. He's trying to win her back. It's one of the most memorable scenes of the 80s, whether you like the song or not. But it's really Peter Gabriel's song that drives the scene home. Now, there are a few really interesting stories about why the song was ultimately picked. For one, when the scene was being shot, John Cusack was playing a fishbone song, which is nothing like, you know, Peter Gabriel genre wise. And without In Your Eyes playing, like if it was fishbone, the scene doesn't resonate. You know, Cameron Crowe picked In Your Eyes. He was with his then wife, Nancy Wilson, of course, from Heart. They were listening back to their wedding day songs and before that he almost went with a billy idol song which was to be a lover (laughs) and i like that song but again that wouldn't work for that scene so cameron crowe sent a copy of say anything to peter gabriel to get the approval for the track and he finally got a response from germany that's where peter gabriel was staying and gabriel said he saw the film and he politely informed crowe that he couldn't give him the song to use in the film so crowe was kind of surprised confused so before he ended his conversation with gabriel he flat out asked why couldn't he use this song And Gabriel said that he didn't like the character in the film and say anything, died of an overdose while playing the song. And Crow realized hilariously that Peter Gabriel was sent the wrong film by the studio. He was sent a movie about John Belushi they were filming at the time. So Gabriel was just overwhelmed with a request because he was, you know, off the So album. 
you know, he was getting all sorts of requests to, to use his music. So when he finally saw Say Anything, he's like, oh, you're the teenage movie. Yeah, you can go ahead and use that song. And movie history was made. Yeah, Stephen uh, Crow needs to listen to some like Lionel Richie or something. It would have been better. What the fuck is Sonny Pony? <laughs> oh, once again, this is where Pony and I differ. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, first of all. It's a beautiful scene. It's iconic. I absolutely love In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. I think it is just such a beautiful song. And the scene is beautiful as well. My first introduction to Peter Gabriel is Shock the Monkey. I didn't know Peter Gabriel from Genesis at the time. And uh, even though I know him of Genesis now, I could care less. That's not my Genesis. <laughs> so <laughs> Peter Gabriel is one of those artists where I don't love everything he does, but there is a pretty nice handful of stuff that I really love. And for me, In Your Eyes is one of those tunes. I just think it's a great scene. Uh, and it is very much iconic. Uh, and I think most people would have that same opinion. One thing we're going to talk about, I think, a lot going forward in this discussion as far as uh, what's on our list is how great is Cameron Crowe at picking music and having music in his movies? Uh, and, of course, he's got a music background, you know, so he's a fan like us. So it stands to reason why he would do well with this, right? No doubt. I mean, we could just I won't give away some of the movies, but, you know, yeah. singles or movies like just, that. He, so he goes. Yep. Yep.
All right, Stephen. I still think Hello could have been pumping out of that box. It would have been just fine. But anyway, <laughs> why don't you go with your number four? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number four was kind of a last-minute entry, and it's it's another one of those movies where they play it on all the cable channels, and every time it comes on, I just kind of let it play in the, in the background because it amuses me. <laughs> There's a lot of amusing moments in the movie Old School, and one iconic scene for me is where Will Ferrell and, I don't know, whoever the rest of his cronies are that are with him in the van pull the stocking mask over their their head so that they can go abduct my boy blue to <laughs> be part of their fraternity and when they come streaming around in the parking lot in that old beat up van and they grab blue and they take him away and the lady has this expression on her face of just bewildered you know craziness and master of puppets by metallica is just blaring as they go streaming around the city that scene for me is is completely awesome you're my boy blue you're my boy blue love it it's blue yes sir do you trust that i do not want to see you die here tonight sir yes sir blue you're my boy brian you're my boy too you're my boy <laughs> so yeah, way before Stranger Things, there was old school. I remember being in the theater and cheering because to hear a Metallica song, especially an old school, no pun intended, Metallica song in a film was awesome. And, you know, you, I'm, it's this great montage. And all of a sudden, it, I think it concludes with, I think they grabbed a guy and they they fall into like a, a fountain or something like that of water. And yeah, it's just a perfect adrenaline song. It's so much fun. And they play a pretty good chunk of the song. They do. I mean, that's, a, that's a long song anyway, but they play just a pretty good chunk of the song. And it's so prominent and out front of everything that's going on uh, mix wise. It's just it's it's perfect.
So my number four, like I said, with my number five, most likely you've seen old school. Most likely you've seen say anything, but you might not have seen the breakup. So the breakup is a movie with Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston, Jason Bateman. So if you haven't seen the movie, you're like, how the hell did I miss that movie? I love those three actors. I don't know how you missed the movie, but there is a scene where owner of a lonely heart is played at a family dinner. And it is not the song that's played. It is done a cappella by John Michael Higgins, who is playing Jennifer Aniston's brother. And he's a member of an a cappella group called the Tone Rangers. So he goes around to family members and asks them to play certain instruments, you know, through their mouth or whatever. You know, it's like, give me a tap, 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 tap. And then he goes to Jennifer Aniston to do the bass line. And it is an absolutely hilarious scene. So if you're not going to at least watch the breakup, you got to type into YouTube, owner of a lonely heart, the breakup, and you will die laughing in that two to three minute scene. It's awesome. The Tone Rangers. (laughs) Although it's not as aggressive as your dream. It's really more of a, a brotherhood. It's like a musical team. It's like a symphony of guys, guy symphony. And it's very hard to describe the true magic of a group of guys singing in perfect harmony. It's transcendent, but it's still very real. I guess the best way to to put it in words is just, that doesn't do it that doesn't do it because that's just one person and what i'm talking about is the pulse of the collective oh heck let me just show you how it's done dad how about a little percussion tap tap tapping tap tap tapping tap tap tapping tap tap and mom hi hat good mom excellent and gary on the kick drum come come on the kick drum come come that's Gary. Come, come with the kick drum. Come, come, come with the kick drum. Gary, on the kick drum. Come, come. That's Gary on the kick drum. Go. And Gary, in the house. Come, come. Come, come. With the kick drum. Come, come. I'm just not really the kick drum kind of guy. I'd rather be just a listener and enjoy all the, the banging that he's doing. And, you know, you know. What, Gary, that's your prerogative. That's your right to listen. Meantime, I got to talk to Brooke about something. It's called the bass line. Excuse me. Good Carol. Good Brooks. Yes, Dennis. Totally awesome. And tank and tank, tank, tank and tank, tank and tank, tank. Move yourself. You always live your life, never thinking of the future. Prove yourself. You are the move you make. Take your chances, win or lose. See yourself. You're every step you take. You and you, and that's the only way. Shake, shake, shake yourself. You're every move you make. So the story goes.
I'm sure you've seen this movie, Brian. I have. I've only seen it once, though. I had to go. This is why I still enjoy having a, a Netflix account with uh, hard copies. I did. I rated it four out of five stars. I saw it way back when it came out. I totally forgot this scene, though. And it's funny why, you know, we did this this episode because, you know, it's nice that we have these iconic ones. I think that everyone knows, but it's nice that Sonny brings up these films that we we might not have seen. And so I rewatch this. And again, I was laughing. I'm going to go back and rewatch this film now. So good pick. Steven, I would have had you come, come on the kick drum, come, come on the kick drum, and you wouldn't have done shit either. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so I've never seen this movie. I don't know how I missed this movie. I saw that it was on the list. I pulled up the scene just like you told people on YouTube, and I died laughing. I thought it was all, I'm like, how did I miss this movie? Because as Vince Vaughn, as Jennifer Aniston, I was like, I don't understand how I missed this movie. So I'm definitely, I added it because it's on HBO Max, and I have a subscription. So I added that to my uh, thing to watch. Uh, because not only that's another movie I can watch with my wife because, you know, it's really hard to find stuff to watch with my wife because she hates that I watch all the killing shows, as she calls it. You watch <laughs> too many killing shows. I like drug crimes. What do you want from me? Anyway, <laughs> I got this on my list to watch. I love the scene. And this scene prompted me to remember another iconic scene that didn't make any of our list. But the scene in Step Brothers where they're singing a cappella and doing the whole sweet child of mine thing. And it's the family and the brother is so ridiculous. That scene in Step Brothers reminds me so much of this scene from the breakup. All right, gang, let's really nail it this time. Here we go. A one, a two. A one, two, three, four. Bum, She's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as a bright blue sky. All right, Tommy, you're the oldest. I'm counting on you. Come on. She's got eyes of the bluest skies as if they I would encourage you guys to go out and check out both of those scenes on YouTube if you haven't seen them before. Love it. All right, Brian, share your number three. So uh, I picked uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. There's your Cameron Crowe connection. Oh, gnarly. My pick is if you're a male and you grew up in the 80s or mm-hmm. didn't grow up in the 80s, it really doesn't matter. Moving in stereo from the cars. This is truly one of the most iconic scenes of the 80s. And for many young males who grew up in the early 80s, you can't hear this song and not think of Phoebe Cates by the pool. The interesting part is that this song was actually released four years earlier, but I think a lot of people probably thought 
it came out just the soundtrack if they didn't really follow the cars at all. It fits so well in this film. You know, as for the scene, there's hilarious tales about the, you know, video store owners at the time who would get these complaints about how when they came to the pool scene with Phoebe Kate's topless, the video would be worn out because of so many rewinds from the customers. This is before, you know, video streaming. And so teenage boys of the 80s would have killed for the internet back then. I mean, this this brings up a whole other tangent of how, you know. We'd rent films for gratuitous nudity or, you know, stations like Cinemax or Skinemax or, you know, they stayed in business by showing these types of films for years. But, you know, this song is why the cars are so great. Such an underrated band. They had a groove. They were still kind of modern at the time. Now, today, you're going to hear like the heavy use of synthesizers. And some of that dates the band for some listeners, but I still love how they used it. And I think they work wonderfully. And I never get sick of this song. And I really enjoy listening to the Cars early stuff. And, of course, I love seeing Phoebe Cates naked. So it's a win-win for me. Yeah, so, Stephen, uh, the song's meh for me. And out of the 14 movies that we're going to talk about in our 15 movies that we're talking about because we repeat one movie i've never seen this movie oh gnarly but you've seen the breakup <laughs> yeah i have never seen in full fast times at ridgemont high from beginning to end have never seen it the listeners aren't surprised at this point i i think uh so this is this is why i love my partner in crime sonny pooney i'll be the first to say each to his own when it comes to entertainment <laughs> and be who you are and love what you love. But God damn it, Pooney. I mean, for the love of all that is holy, I don't understand for the life of me how his brain works. I, I don't get it because not only is moving in stereo a fantastic cars tune, I would encourage listeners to go back. We reviewed the first cars album, which this song is a part of, and that's just a it's a perfect record for me almost. That album is so good. So go back, check out that episode. But moving in stereo, first of all, love the cars, love that song. And then lastly, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, for me personally. There are no less than five songs in this movie that every time I hear them, I think about this movie. It's just, it's, it's riddled with great music and just a fantastic movie from start to finish. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this movie, probably of the list of movies that we're going to talk about in this episode, Ridgemont High is probably my favorite out of all those movies. I mean, I've seen it that many times, and that includes Ferris Bueller. As much as I love Ferris Bueller, yeah, probably Fast Times is a bigger importance in my my childhood. So absolutely, absolutely love it. And there is not a straight male between the <laughs> ages of 15 and 21 that is not familiar with this scene, no doubt. And your number three? My number three <laughs> was selected strictly because I saw Brian's number three and said, <laughs> okay, I can go along with that. So my number three also comes from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and it's really a kind of twofer song, but I'll talk about the first one, which is when Spicoli and his buddies, which includes Eric Stoltz, roll out of the van with pot smoke bellowing out, and they go into the school dance, and the school band is playing Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. That riff, that beginning intro, 
so iconic and they're dancing around and then Spicoli jumps up on stage and they end up doing Wooly Bully, which is the second song that kind of ties in. I can't see those two songs anymore without thinking about that particular scene in the movie. So Life in the Fast Lane, the Eagles with the iconic riff at the beginning and then into Wooly Bully while Spicoli is uh, stoned out of his mind, jumping up and down and and, uh, singing that tune. Love it. Brian, I saw the scene the other day on YouTube. The scene is cool. That band was butchering the song, right? <laughs> yeah, that, it, yeah. It, it, it's not totally fair that uh, you, you didn't like that, you know, that that particular rendition. But I get what Stephen's saying. I mean, that song itself, you, know, you can go back and listen to the Eagles. I think the other song that people associate is uh, Somebody's Baby from Jackson Brown, of course, uh, a vital part of. The scene with Jennifer Jason Lee and her character, if you haven't seen the film, don't listen to Sonny. Go see it. It's, it's no. pretty awesome. Well, no, I didn't say I didn't like the film. I've just never seen it. <laughs> okay. Somebody's Baby, the Go-Go's tune at the very beginning. Yeah, we got the beat. Um, we got the beat. Yeah. What else is in that movie? There's, um, let's see, we've got Moving in Stereo. Sammy Hagar does, I think, the title track, didn't he? Sammy Hagar does the title track. That's correct. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the title track. And then also Billy Squire does something that's also in that movie that's really good. Yeah. No, it's, it's, again, it's Cameron Crowe. I mean, he, yeah. he knows music. So my number three. So when I put my top five together, for me, it was, hey, when I hear the song, it reminds me of X movie. And of course, some of my favorite movies are going to be attached to that because that's just how it is. But you could say number three would end up possibly in a top 10 if some TV channel, you know, Access TV or whatever wanted to do top 10 iconic movie movements of all time. This could be in the top 10, and that is 
old time rock and roll by Bob Seger and Risky Business. I didn't need to see Tom Cruise in his underwear, but that whole scene singing in the house when nobody's around, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think he uses a candlestick for his microphone. I can't say I haven't done that, to be honest with you. I've done that plenty of times. Don't mess with me. I'm one crazy mofo. I had to pop a cop because he wasn't giving me my props in Oaktown. Hell, I might do it tomorrow when Nicole's out. Like, I I might not use old-time rock and roll, but, uh, you know, we're doing silly shit like that all the time because we're rockers. So, Brian, I know you love this movie. Absolutely, and I love Bob Seger, and I think it's funny that you've seen Tom Cruise's underwear but not Phoebe Cates in a bikini, but that's okay, Sonny. It's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, Risky Business, terrific. It really put Tom Cruise – I mean, he was in, I think, All, all the Right Moves, of course, was in The Outsiders, but I, Risky Business – what put him on the map and then a couple years later he'd just be iconic with top gun but yeah i mean perfect use of bob seeger and uh, and kind of like moving in stereo i mean that's the old time rock and roll had been out for you know five years before being used in this movie and steven did this movie resonate with you i know you're in your 30s by this time but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it resonated with me because i ran a bordello at the time <laughs> in my 30s no yeah yeah, of course, this movie resonated with me. Uh, I enjoyed this movie like everyone else, and that's an iconic scene. I, even though I'm not the hugest Bob Seger fan in the world, uh, how can you not think about this movie scene when you hear this song? A movie that's similar to this that I actually enjoyed and I think had a pretty good rock soundtrack, although I don't have it in front of me, is this movie Girl Next Door. Have either one of you guys seen that movie? Oh, yeah. I did an episode on that one, too. Yep. Yeah. I think I have that soundtrack on CD. Yeah. So it's very similar to Risky Business, kind of a knockoff of that movie, in my opinion. But it's similar. It's a pretty good movie, and it uh, has pretty decent soundtrack as well. So, yep. All right, Brian. I'm assuming your number two is not about Barry Bonds, although it should be. No, this is a uh, free steroids, uh, but the song definitely is like on steroids. And that's the theme to the natural, which was written and performed by Randy Newman. So I think in general, the sport of baseball lends itself to being ideal for film adaptations. There, there's a mythical and poetic charm about baseball that really doesn't exist in other sports. And part of it is, I think baseball is one of the oldest American sports. There's a deliberate pace to baseball that allows for great storytelling. If you haven't seen The Natural, the ending scene where Robert Redford's character, Roy Cobbs, he's hobbled with a serious injuries and in no shape to play, let alone get a hit in one of the biggest games of the season, is exactly why baseball kind of sets itself for this kind of cinematic brilliance. So when when he hits the ball and the music starts soft and then starts to build to this crescendo, it almost acts like a crowd at a game where there's a buzz before the eruption of when the ball goes out of the park. And that's why the music works so well. When the ball hits the lights, it's in perfect timing with the height of the song. It's like just goosebump inducing. The, the song adds so much to the scene. Even non-baseball fans like it. And I, I think that's the importance of music. And you think about real life. Kirk Gibson in 1988 essentially had a real life Roy Hobbs moment when he hit the game winning home run in the World Series against the best reliever in the game at the time. That was Dennis Eckersley. Gibson could barely walk. He was completely overmatched, but for one pitch, he had a perfect swing and he hit the ball of the park and then he famously limped around the bases and it was his one and only bat in that World Series. Now, the reason I bring this up is because that home run acted like a movie scene. But for casual fans watching the real game, they might not have the same reaction 
like they would watching The Natural. And the reason is simple, the power of music. That changes the whole narrative. And so much so that that song is played to death for ballpark. Now, even if a guy just hits a, you know, a random home run. So I think that's kind of annoying as a fan, but it dilutes the power of the song. But no, I, you know, I'm pretty sure when Barry Bonds broke the all time home run record, they played the natural theme. That's how iconic that song is. And that ending scene. Yeah, and Stephen, this song has so much emotion to it that, I mean, you could put the montage of every shot Jordan hit when he was sick in the playoffs to win that playoff game. Like, you could use it in several different places. Yeah, so I think this is where, you know, Brian is the true movie buff differs a little bit from our list where he starts bringing into some of these type tunes and, and Brian for the listeners that don't really know Brian that well, Brian is a huge baseball fan as well. So this ties into a lot of that. And, you know, the natural for me, the first few times I saw it was sort of a slow burn of a movie, but it's one of those movies where I get something out of it. The more often that I watch it and I used to be a huge baseball fan in my youth, and that kind of gave way to football over the years, but I still enjoy the game of baseball and enjoy a lot of the, you know, the head games that go on with the the inner game, and so Brian's right. It, it changes the scene completely when you start adding uh, music to sports in general, not just baseball, but sports in general. So, yeah, I completely understand the take on this particular pick. And then, Stephen, I'm assuming you picked your number two because it reminded you of the road. <laughs> um, well, you know what? Almost famous. So the scene in the tour bus with them doing Elton John's Tiny Dancer. That was my number two because I think it really is an iconic scene in movies. But yeah, I mean, it does remind you in parts, uh, if you've ever lived that life a little bit, it reminds you of some of those parts. But Almost Famous is a lot like The Natural and the fact that first few times I saw it, it was sort of a slow burn in for me. I, I enjoyed it, but it was a little slow for me. But the more times that I've watched this movie over the years, I get something out of it a little bit different every time I see it. And again, another Cameron Crowe movie, sort of this one is based on, loosely based on his life a little bit. It's a great movie. There's a lot of scenes within this movie, but that tour bus scene, 
and everybody singing Tiny Dancer. That's just a great song. It really is one of uh, Elton's greatest tunes. I love it. Yeah, Brian, I'm sure you love this movie also. Without a doubt. And uh, I love the history of Cameron Crowe and how he wrote for Rolling Stone. He went on tour with, you know, this, with Skinner and, and bands like that at the time. And and again, like Queen in Wayne's World, I think this introduced Elton John to a whole new generation of people. I, I At the time, I, I don't even think I knew Tiny Dancer that well. I, of course, knew the huge, huge hits that were, you know, you know, Benny and the Jets and and songs, Crocodile Rock, songs like that. But Tiny Dancers is, is, was, at the time, kind of a deep cut a little bit. And I think this now, because of that film, it's no longer a deep cut. And then my number two, so I went with Caddyshack, and I went with the Journey song, Any Way You Want It. So if you remember, now I've seen Caddyshack probably 500 times, but if you remember Rodney Dangerfield's Caddy is complaining about the weight of his bag, he puts the bag down, and Rodney says, let's dance. And there's a car stereo installed in his golf bag that plays any way you want it. One of the best lines in the movie also happens at the same time. So Ted Knight's talking about, you know, he's going to sue him for, you know, noise, blah, blah, blah. And Ted Knight's caddy is trying to get financial help to go to law school. And he's, you know, bitching about he doesn't have the money to go to law school, blah, blah, blah. And Ted Knight says, well, the world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> and that is the absolute best line in that movie. I love that movie so much. Brian, have you seen that movie 500 times? <laughs> Not 500 times, but but many. It is going to be an upcoming episode. And all I have to say is that kangaroo stole my ball. And uh, 
<laughs> also, the other iconic song, in, in addition, I think anyway you want it, it was a kind of a new song at the time as well. I'm all right from Kenny Loggins with the Gopher dancing. Another like you think you hear that song, you think of the Gopher and you think of that movie. So yeah, Caddyshack, absolutely love it. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know? And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money, but when you die, you will receive total consciousness. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna send Stephen over the edge here. I've even seen Caddyshack two, and I like that. And I haven't seen Fast Times. Good lord. <laughs> okay. Well, so first of all, Caddyshack is up there amongst some of my all time classic favorite movies. You cannot love Caddyshack. It's just a it's an iconic movie in itself. So many great scenes, so many one-liners in that movie. I can't even begin to start. Caddyshack 2 is just, you're scaring me. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, how can you not love that scene? Four, should have yelled two. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, there's just too many scenes, too many scenes in that movie. I love it. That's up there with, with uh, movies like Stripes and uh, other movies from that time period that I just uh, believe are just absolute movie staples uh, for me personally. And love it. Love any way you want it to love the song. Do you love Blues Brothers 2000, Sonny? I've never seen it. Okay, good. Never seen it. Your credibility just went up a little bit more. Well, you know what? So, okay, uh, I'm going to lose some credibility not to get too far (laughs) off on the track. I actually enjoyed Blues Brothers 2000. It can't compare to the original, so don't get me wrong. It can't even compare to that. But I think that the soundtrack is actually pretty decent. There's some good stuff on that soundtrack, like the Johnny Lang stuff and some other stuff in there. And I remember I went and saw that movie because the studio gave us passes to come like do a pre-screening of the movie before they released it to the public because of the soundtrack connection. I worked for a record distributor at the time, so they had a full-on party 
And we went there, we watched the movie. They gave us a, a copy of the soundtrack after we uh, saw the movie and that type thing. And I just, I thought it was okay. I thought it was decent. It held my entertainment for the evening, you know? Oh, I was so excited when it first came out. I saw it in the theater because the Blues Brothers, the original, is my second favorite movie of all time. My first being yeah. Airplane. So I, well, I go to see it and I'm, I was just so disappointed. But my sights were too high, I guess, for it. But I agree. The music is terrific. That's something they never screwed up on. And they had some of these great classic blues artists like B.B. King and Wilson Pickett was on there. So I thought that was really cool. But yeah, they it became self-parody at that point. And going to our number ones, and Brian, your number one, well, that could be Rolling Stones' number one <laughs> iconic music movie moment. Go ahead. Absolutely. And I'm going with another sports movie. This is this might be my third favorite movie of all time, and that's the original Rocky from 1976, and the song is going to fly now, and, and written by Bill Conti. It's arguably the greatest theme song of any movie, and without question, the most inspirational song in film history. You hear those opening notes, immediately the hairs stand up on your arm, and you have to be comatose not to enjoy this song. There's no better montage in film history than that original training scene in Rocky. And without this song, the scene just wouldn't be as powerful. Every note of this song I can place to the exact scene frame. You know, when the song ends, you picture Rocky racing up the stairs of the Philadelphia Museum. He's jumping up and down. He's raising his arm, at, you know, his arms as the crescendo hits. It's perfection. And the song holds up so well today because of the use of traditional horns and strings. You know, the later Rocky soundtracks became very synth heavy and immediately dates the track, but not on the original, you know, Rocky. It's timeless. You know, the Gonna Fly Now was just going to be a, a quick, brief one minute piece to score kind of Rocky's training montage. Well, when the director, John Alveson, heard it, he kept adding more scenes to the montage. And then, so then he kept asking Conti to add just a little bit more music to cover the additional length of the film. And then the song ended up being nearly three minutes long. They even added a chorus and then you get some vocals. And again, the song's iconic. It earned an Academy Award nomination. It, went, it had a Golden Globe nomination. The album is certified platinum. It had a Grammy nomination. Everyone knows this song. And I think that montage scene, the use of music, totally changed filmmaking forever montages had always existed in film but rocky at the time was almost like a music video nobody had seen that and you look at rocky 4 almost the whole movie's a montage so <laughs> i think stallone realized uh you know the impact at that point that the original rocky had on on sports movies and just movies in general mr ski instructor i need a lot of training fast i'm gonna race down the k-13 the k-13 but you're just a beginner if you ski out of your league you're gonna have a bad time I have to do this, okay? I have to. All right, well, if you got to get good at something really fast, there's only one way to do it. Come on! The day is approaching to give it your best, and you've got to reach your prime. That's when you need to put yourself to the test and show us a passage of time. We're going to need a montage. montage. A sports training montage. montage. Show a lot of things happening at once. Remind everyone of what's going on. What's and with on? every shot, show a little improvement to show it what would take too long. That's called a montage. montage. Even Rocky had a montage. 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 Simple little montage. montage. Always fade out montage. in a montage. 
fade out, it seems like more time has passed in a montage. Yeah, and Stephen, everything Brian said's accurate. Don't get me wrong there. I'd rather listen to Burning Heart or Eye of the Tiger. That's just me. But uh, this montage is unbelievable. I mean, I uh, the tiger. That's fantastic. That could have been a great uh, oh, yeah. uh, addition to the list. But yeah, I mean, I totally understand where where Brian's coming from. And anybody that's ever listened to our podcast knows I'm a pretty big South Park fan. So you got to do a sports montage. Uh, <laughs> that scene from from South Park where they do a sports montage is fantastic. But gonna fly now by Bill Conti for the Rocky is absolutely iconic in every way. So it's a great choice and uh, it's going to be interesting as we go from this positive vibe and this, you can do it vibe to something much, much darker when you get to my pick. (laughs) (laughs) So Steven talking about your pick, can we have Alfred Molina put a goddamn shirt on? (laughs) Please. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. So my number one pick is another almost two for song, much like the uh, Life in the Fast Lanes and the Wooly Bully. I'm going to go with Boogie Nights, which I think is just an absolute fantastic movie. I love Boogie Nights because honestly, they did a really great job at capturing the 70s that time period just and they've got some fantastic actors and some really just fantastic performances within this movie and if you've never seen this movie it's just basically it's sort of um i think it's probably loosely based on john holmes very loosely based on john holmes this scene is definitely based on the wonderland murders from hollywood which involved john holmes at the time but the movie as a whole covers kind of the rise and fall of uh, pornography in the 70s and when it uh, goes from movie theaters to videotape, kind of that whole period. Mark Wahlberg is the lead actor in it. But they go to this guy's house, which they don't talk about in the movie, but he was the owner of the Starwood which is a famous Hollywood nightclub. This is where Van Halen was discovered. Uh, Van Halen used to play the Starwood all the time. This guy was a Coke dealer at the same time he owned this place. And so uh, it was just kind of a really dark scene where they go to do drugs and he's got the the little Asian guy in the background throwing firecrackers, but (laughs) he puts on the stereo and it's blaring out Jesse's girl by Rick Springfield. And he's kind of singing along and the guy's throwing firecrackers. And it's a very tense moment where they're dealing drugs essentially and it kind of leads into another iconic scene and another iconic song where i can't hear sister christian by night ranger (laughs) the same anymore without thinking about this scene so jesse's girl by rick springfield and the night rangers sister christian that whole scene within this movie is very iconic for me personally (laughs) brian i'm I'm sure when they told Molina that he had to be shirtless, (laughs) that he was like, really? Like, is that how you want me to do this? All right. That's why he plays Dr. Octopus and he has all the, you know, in the Spider-Man movies and (laughs) put on all that gear. Yeah. All I have to say is, is the famous Rick James line. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. And that, that is, that is boogie nights in a nutshell. So, you know me, you know, my reputation, 
13 inches is a tough load. I don't treat you gently. All right, then my number one, my favorite Prince album, eh, Purple Rain. Yeah, maybe, right? It kind of depends on my mood. So I went with Purple Rain, the movie, and I went with a beautiful one. So if you've never seen Purple Rain, by the way, this was my first R-rated movie. And Brian had uh, shared before the whole Phoebe Cates thing. I mean, I, I rented this movie mm-hmm. at like Blockbuster or whatever. And I was watching that one Apollonia scene over and over and over and over. But if you remember Apollonia sitting at the table waiting for Morris Day and Prince is on stage performing the beautiful ones. And he's basically screaming at Apollonia, you know, do you want him or do you want me? Cause I want you. Right. And there's just, it's a super emotional scene. It's just an awesome song. And Partially Prince is on stage, partially the emotions of the scene, partially, you know, it's Apollonia has got to make a choice, just kind of makes that movie scene. And every time I hear this song, that movie scene blinks into my head.
Brian, I'm sure you own this movie. No, I definitely own the album on vinyl. It is my favorite Prince album. I think this is the epitome of the power of music because I think this is the most overrated film of all time. The only reason people went to go see this movie is because the Prince was so popular at the time and how uh, great that soundtrack is. I think Flashdance is a better movie and Flashdance is, a, is not a great movie, but it has a great soundtrack. And to prove my point, if you've ever seen Under the Cherry Moon, yeah, that, that's what happens when you don't have a great soundtrack and you have Prince in a movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never liked Purple Rain as a movie, but as the music, it's perfection. Yeah. And Stephen, how about you? I mean, the movie for the most part is, you know, I mean, there's so much concert footage and performance footage. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a movie, but it's mostly that that makes up the movie. So I love the song. I love the album. The movie is okay for me. I don't I don't hate the movie. It's not I don't look at it the same way uh, you do, but I definitely uh, enjoy it. Definitely inspirational enough to Eight Mile is basically Purple Rain, but Eminem is in it. So yeah, I like that you get uh, the time in in the movie as well because that's true. The time, yeah, yep. All right, so we're each going to share some that may have made our list. We'll have Brian go last because obviously he's the historian here. But I'll give you some <laughs> that could have made my list. Top Gun with Danger Zone. It was the first movie I ever saw in a theater, and that build up at the beginning is just absolutely awesome. Tin Cup, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's like a country soundtrack, but there's a lot of songs placed well in the movie. Back to School, Twist and Shout, Rodney Dangerfield doing that could have made it. I could have picked The Color of Money. There's a couple of scenes in there where there's some huge songs that kind of connect me to what's going on in the movie. Um, Of course, Armageddon with I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, but I didn't want to pick a ballad. And then Mm -hmm. a fun one. Uh, Fun with Dick and Jane with Jim Carrey. There is a scene where him and the wife are robbing this guy and they got him tied up and he's uh, Jim Carrey's got a mask on. He's pretending to be Mr. Roboto and he kind of does a little bit of the sticks, Mr. Roboto without the music playing, which is absolutely hilarious. I've never seen that scene before, but I'm a big Jim Carrey fan. I really like that movie. Steven, did you have any that just missed your list? I had a ton and I didn't write any of them down, but a couple off the top of my head would be, I really love the movie vision quest which I know everybody may not have seen, but there's a couple of songs within Vision Quest that I think are really huge and really iconic uh, moments within that movie. One is the Journey song, uh, Only the Young, at the beginning uh, while he's training. I think Matthew Modine is his name, where he's training. I think that's an iconic scene. Also, uh, when he gets his first older woman girlfriend and they're playing the Madonna song Crazy, I think is also a very big moment in that. I talked about already Step Brothers and Sweet Child of Mine, I think is absolutely fantastic. Uh, And then you talked about your first rated R movie being Purple Rain, my first rated R movie. Uh, and this will date me a little bit, but Sonny likes dating me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to take a guess? My first rated R movie, Brian? Um, Alien? No. Okay. Sonny? I don't know. Uh, the Devil and Miss Jones? I don't know. <laughs> That's Axe. <laughs> Deep <man>. throat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, my first rated R movie was Saturday Night Fever. 
Oh, okay. so, so obviously within that soundtrack and within that movie, there's a couple iconic moments, the beginning of it with staying alive and you see his shoes and he's carrying the paint. That's huge. Uh, also when he's out there on that, uh, multicolored dance floor and dancing it up, you should be dancing, uh, is another, uh, huge scene within that movie that, uh, for me off the top of my head are some that I can go along with. And there's a million others after that. Yeah. And Brian, uh, share some of yours. You know, I could have picked uh, real genius and done summertime girls with Y and T, but I kind of stayed away <laughs> from that one. <laughs> All right, strap it in. I'll go quick because I, I did have a ton. So re- Sonny mentioned Real Genius, the end scene, not to give it. Well, if you haven't seen Real Genius, go see it. Uh, all you have to say is popcorn and then think of everyone who wants to rule the world from Tears for Fears. Terrific. I, you know, today in baseball, you have so many of these closers that come into entrance music. The first to really do it was Charlie Sheen in Major League for Wild Things. So I think that movie definitely had a lot to do with that. Kind of with the John Hughes uh, vibe, Pretty in Pink had two. Uh, the prom scene with If You Leave from OMD. And then John Cryer lip syncing Otis Redding's Try a Little Tenderness in the record store. Great. Of course, Dirty Dancing with I've Had the Time of My Life. Two for Flashdance. I mean, what a feeling when um, the Irene Cara song, when she's dancing at the end. And of course, running in place for, for Maniac. We talked about Footloose. Footloose when, you know, the opening scene. Animal House when they're doing a shout in the toga party. Terrific. Beetlejuice when they're doing uh, Deo, when they're possessed. Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I know Steve Wright loves Clint Eastwood and, of course, The Ecstasy of Gold, which is now made famous again by Metallica. Harold and Maud. that's a dark comedy a lot of people haven't seen, but uh, Cat Stevens doing uh, If You Want to Sing Out, Sing Out. The Karate Kid, You're the Best, the whole training montage. It all comes back to Rocky. I, I think Sonny loves uh, Pat Benatar, the Invincible theme, the legend of Billy Jean. If you've never seen Little Miss Sunshine, uh, the ending was super freak from Rick James. It's one of the few times uh, I, I literally saw people rolling in the aisles and, uh, you know, in laughter uh, in the theater. Mannequin, nothing's going to stop us for Starship. We had mentioned Top Gun, take my breath away. Come on. That might have been the first love scene I saw in a theater. Reservoir Dogs, stuck in the middle with you and, you know, uh, guys getting in ear cut off for an upbeat song and go back to the 60s and easy rider with born to be wild and steppenwolf the graduate the sound of silence and simon and garfunkel with uh, the montage with dustin hoffman apocalypse now the end from the doors the breakfast club of course don't you forget about me and uh seeing judd nelson you know raise his fist at the end and <laughs> and then here's a fun one if you're from the Bay Area and you have huey Lewis in the news and you want to have a demented way of hearing hip to be square go watch american psycho it's really really well <laughs> So, yeah, and, and two quick ones uh, for the old, old audience, you, ha- you know, Casablanca as time goes by and play it again, Sam. And then uh, I, I'm sure there's a lot of Rush fans here. I know in the movie Role Models, the use of uh, Rush was used, I believe, Tom Sawyer's in that one um, at the end kind of fight scene along with Kiss. So good stuff. How do, we, how do we always mention Top Gun, Take My Breath Away, Danger Zone, but we didn't mention the Everly Brothers, which is one of the biggest iconic scenes of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. And then Great Balls of Fire, too. Yeah. All right. So we're going to connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, Kiss has been involved in many movies in one way or another. 
Some of the highlights or lowlights, depending on your taste, include, well, there was a movie called Detorock City, which wasn't very good. Speaking of not very good movies, Kiss Me's Phantom of the Park, where Kiss was involved, wasn't very good. Had a bunch of Kiss music. Keeping with the not-so-good movies, Calling Dr. Love was used in a movie called Magic Mike, just in case you've seen that, about <laughs> male strippers. You know, I'm sure Steven's seen that movie, but whatever. <laughs> seen it? Hell, I was in it. <laughs> uh, some of the better ones included uh, I Was Made for Loving You in Why Him, where Paul and Gene actually show up in makeup near the end of the movie to, like, lend a song to a proposal that's made. Another underrated movie, The Nice Guys, had Rock and Roll Night playing in a bowling alley scene with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. And then, of course, you got God Gave Rock and Roll to You too, which was involved in the sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. But today, I'm going to go with a movie that my kids absolutely loved when it came out. I love Kevin James and Paul Blart Mall Cop, which is basically a movie. It's basically Die Hard in a Mall. It's basically what it ends up being. There's a scene where Kevin James is playing Guitar Hero in a store. And we're not going to play the Kiss version, but he's playing Detroit Rock City on the video game. So we're going to play instead the Hayseed Dixie. Yup, I said it. A band called Hayseed Dixie with their version of the Kiss classic, Detroit Rock City. So alive. 
different versions of kiss tunes because the kiss tunes you might as well do kiss right uh this is interesting <laughs> we've played hazy dixie on the uh podcast before it's usually fun i mean look it's fun uh, it's not something like i'm gonna put on and listen to on the regular but you know once in a while in a movie especially uh something like that uh, it would be okay but yeah interesting i've heard them before and uh, you know it's it as Stephen said, it's a novelty act. It's a fun random listen. I wouldn't look to put it on by choice, but I, I have to say, Sonny missed a prime opportunity to play their version of "Let's Put the X in Sex," which is I'm not joking. It's actually on there. It's hilarious. It could have been the theme song to the movie Deliverance, you know, for with Burt Reynolds. So you know, poor Ned Beatty, and then you know this this song's playing in the background. If there's ever a remake, you've heard it here first. "Let's Put the X in Sex" was going to be in the Deliverance remake with AC Dixie playing it. <laughs> That's a, that's a good song. <laughs> so wrapping up the episode, I'm with Brian. There is a thing that happens when music and movies connect. And if the director does it well, man, can it make a scene. And this is when, when I ask people, what kind of music do you listen to? And somebody says, I don't listen to music. And I'm like, well, you don't watch TV or commercials or movies. Like, what do you do with your life? Just like sit in your chair and stare at a wall because music is literally everywhere and there's just a point in time where whether it's rock or pop or soul music that gets in the movies and man it has really made the movie for me at times yeah originally going back to this idea there are just moments that really really work with whatever song it is it can even be a song you don't like but you know that when that song and that scene, whatever's happening in that movie or TV show, just absolutely work together. I really enjoyed doing this episode. This was fun, and it's a little left of center for us, which I enjoy. I enjoy doing the crossover episodes with Brian. Again, 
If you're listening to this episode, this is a crossover episode. So we did this episode, but earlier this week or on Friday, you're listening to this on Sunday. On Friday, Brian released Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is us reviewing that movie and discussing that movie. And it sort of ties in soundtrack wise to what we're discussing here, where music and movies really come together. Yeah, Brian, talking about Ferris Bueller for a second, you know, uh, we didn't talk about it on uh, your episode, but I had not noticed till I watched it again the other day that Duncan Shane shows up three times in the movie. I had not realized that. That's true. So, of course, he's singing it in the shower when he's got his little mohawk. And then Jeannie, his sister, kind of repeats it, too. So, yeah, it is kind of there's a callback. You know, the, the use of Oh, yeah, is used a couple of times. Donka Shane. So I think that's just the fun, great writing of John Hughes, too, where comedy is really great if you drop a little nugget and then you bring it back unexpectedly. And, and that that's a perfect callback. Yeah, I just realized actually it's four times. So it's in the shower. It's at the parade. It's uh, Jeannie or whatever her name is, Shauna. I don't understand what the Shauna thing is, but (laughs) says it uh, is humming it on the way out uh, of the Charlie Sheen scene. And then after Rooney rings the doorbell, right before he rings the doorbell, he's humming it. That's right. Yeah, everything's subconscious. And and, well, part of that's John Hughes in general to kind of nerd out. If you watch all the John Hughes directed films, you can almost connect everything together. There's like this universe where, you know, Molly Ringwald's character and and the Breakfast Club could have been friends with, uh, you know, maybe somebody in some kind of wonderful and things like that. So I think that's that connection. Um, where Jeannie might have been friends with, you know, Ali Sheedy's depressed girl character in The Breakfast Club. So, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the nice callback of uh, and the brilliance of John Hughes. Yeah. And it also always he, his movies usually always center around Chicago or the suburbs of Chicago. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, Brian, thanks for joining us. Pimp your stuff. Where can we find you? Yeah, of course, by now you probably know Damn Good Movie Memories, so check it out. Sonny and Steven have been on countless episodes, you know, whether it be the movie Crossroads or the original Longest Yard or Ocean's Eleven and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We t- we did talk about Say Anything. Again, Sonny and I did agree on Say Anything, except for In Your Eyes, and that's okay, Sonny. I, I still enjoy your eyes and your voice and things like that. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I also have a, a radio show on ThatMetalStation.com. Uh, it's called The Bad Beat, where we play bluesy hard rock, just like The Answer, the, the song you heard in the beginning. So you can listen to that every Wednesday night, 11 p.m. Eastern time. So thank you again, guys. I always have a blast coming on. And again, you guys are always welcome on Damn Good Movie Memories. Yep, I'm sure we'll be over there again. I'm sure you'll be over here again. Back and forth we go, back and forth we go, because we love music and movies. Thanks again, Brian. Sonny Pony, you have anything to add before we get up on out of here? Yeah, if you're interested in somebody and you're a listener and you want them to uh, notice you, go to their home, hold your cell phone up, and play Hello by Lana Ritchie, and I bet you it works. You've seen the music video to Hello, right? That didn't end up well. That's okay. It's okay. It still works. And I'm pretty sure that now in today's times that if you did that, the cops would be around asking you questions very shortly. Thanks. That's right. You're going to be sculpting in prison. Good advice, (laughs) Pooney. Also, don't drop the soap. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's it. We're out of here before we go too far with this episode. See ya later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
And in my dreams I've kissed your lips a thousand times I sometimes see you pass outside my door Hello Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes I can see it in your smile all I've ever wanted And my arms are open wide Cause you know just what to say And you know just what to do And I want to tell you so much I love you Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.